You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Monday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. Excited to be back for another show today. And today's episode is actually brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. And on today's show, we have to talk more about the Iowa women's basketball team. And when I say have to, I mean we get to. We get to talk about this amazing season they just had, a season that kind of came out of nowhere, was not expected, and yet they made it to the Sweet 16. And honestly... I don't feel like they're that far off from competing against a team like UConn. They did fall to UConn 92-72 to on Saturday afternoon on national television, might I add, just because that I think that was amazing to see Iowa women's basketball on national television. Um, you love to see the, the, notoriety, the notoriety they are getting um, from that exposure, which is just amazing. So um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what does the season hold, what is next for this Iowa women's basketball squad, and then we're going to get into some positional previews, uh, starting with the quarterback position with spring, you know, spring ball here with the NFL draft. We're going to start focusing a little bit more on the football scene and start looking at what does what do these positions offer us, right? What is going to be happening at the quarterback position? So we'll be talking about quarterback today. We'll get into some of the other positions over the course of the next couple of weeks. And that actually brings me into my next point. Um, what does the show look like from here? You might be wondering that. Well, at some point, we will be switching to three shows a week. If I have more content, if something pops up, I'll definitely give you more than that. Um, but that'll be happening probably after April, uh, just because there's going to be so much stuff with the NFL draft and all that stuff. We'll probably be starting that around May-ish, May, June, July, taking a little bit of a break doing those three shows a week. Um, but we're still going to be covering a lot of Iowa Hawkeye content. Again, a lot of football content, a lot of draft content. We will try to cover baseball and softball, but it's difficult to catch some of those things on TV. So just not the best analysis you're going to get from me. Um, I My background is actually baseball. So if there's any sport I could cover, it's 100% baseball and softball. Just it's difficult for me to catch that. So I'll try to catch as much as I can. We're still going to be having a lot of guest appearances, having a lot of interviews um, with some of the commits in the class of 2022. I'm expecting there to be quite a few more um, as Iowa works on having um, you know some visits actually happening now that that's seemingly going to be opening up soon. We'll have some guest appearances from local television stations as well because there is a really cool partnership between Locked On and Tegna Media. Um, but again, just a heads up that we're going to be you know changing that soon, but not yet. You're still going to get shows every Monday through Friday. Um, one thing to note though, I am going through a lot of life changes so I'm actually moving out of my current home that my wife and I purchased five years ago. We're hopefully going to be getting our offer accepted today on a new home that we're looking at moving to just a few blocks down the road. Um, we're also going on a small trip, and I'm switching jobs, getting a promotion, all that fun stuff in my full-time day job. So lots of stuff happening. That could mean shows might be posted a little bit later in the morning. Just uh, bear with us. I really appreciate you all tuning in every single day to listen to the show. And one other thing I want to talk about is the Elevate program because you've heard Frank Garza come on here and talk about it. You've, he's talked about Luca Garza and what it's done for him. I can personally attest to what the Elevate program did for me, and I only did Elevate Session 1, and that was a phenomenal learning experience. Well, now 
we are opening up Elevate Level Session or Elevate Session Two, um, which is for Level Two, and that will be April 27th through the to May 3rd. But Session One or Level One, I should say, if you haven't been to it yet, um, three sessions: April 20th, 22nd, 26th, from 7 to 8:30 p.m. $125 per attendee for that Level One training, which is what I got about two months ago, and I cannot recommend this enough. Look at what has done for Lucas' career. Look at what is done, even for Bakari. If you look at his season, um, first part of last season to the beginning or the end of last season, his performance significantly improved. But it's not just for sports; it's for life. It's for everything you're going through. And I can again, I can point out so many different examples of where it's helped me already. And I'm so excited to get into level two of this um, at the end of April. But if you haven't had an opportunity to go through this, I highly recommend it. That $125 will without a doubt be worth it. And you get to hear from, from Frank talk about, you know, those kind of principles that Luca uses game in and game out and what you can do to apply that to your life. So check out the elevate program at sportshood.net. but let's get into some women's basketball. The women's basketball team did fall to UConn again, not, the way we liked the season to end. But I think what's more important is that the season even happened and that we got here. And now this might be a stark contrast to how I felt about men's basketball. And I understand that if you're like, well, Andrew, you were really down about Iowa basketball losing, men's basketball losing in the round of 32 and very you know sad about it, which is why I had Big Ten Ben come on. Why are you so happy right now? Iowa just lost in the Sweet 16. Again, the expectations for these two teams were different, Right. For the women's basketball team, we didn't think we were going to make the NCAA tournament. Yes, we brought in a five-star guard in Caitlin Clark. But we just got off of losing back-to-back Big Ten Player of the Years. That's not a very easy thing to sustain. Now, Lusa Bluter has gotten this program in such an amazing position that she can contend year in and year out. But when you're losing that kind of talent... It's tough to replace that, especially when you're not a UConn who is bringing in top 10 talent every single year. But... I'm happy with this women's team, the fact that they got to the Sweet 16. So we're going to talk about what this team can bring to the table in segment number two. But just going through this game, a couple things that I I noticed a little bit. Caitlin Clark did notably struggle. I think the pressure that was put on her and Paige Beckers was clear. Paige struggled in the first half as well. Caitlin struggled in the first half, um, was forcing a few shots, ultimately finished 7 of 21 from the field, 4 of 12 from 3 for 21 points, 5 assists, and 3 rebounds. And we're going to get to how – how important that was here in a second, but played 38 minutes of ball time. Paige, you know, struggled again in that first half, but finished very strong as well. And 37 minutes of play, seven of 18 from the field, two of six from three, nine, nine rebounds, eight assists, 18 points. And that actually is a big thing I want to point out. Paige Becker's nine rebounds. Why that's important is Iowa got manhandled on the glass. Iowa got out rebounded 41 to 21. And that was a huge difference in this game. When Caitlin was struggling with her shot, it wasn't as detrimental as you typically have seen where Caitlin has struggled and we aren't able to, you know, score score the ball. Caitlin was doing a great job of finding other players who could, and other players were getting a lot less attention. UConn was throwing a significant amount of defenders in different ways at Caitlin. And again, it forced her to put up some shots she maybe didn't like as much, forced her to work a little bit harder to get her shots. And then you add the fact that the pressure coming into this was all about Caitlin and Paige. And it makes sense why she struggled a bit for her, you know, First Sweet 16 game. But Gabby Marshall and McKenna Warnick absolutely dominated in this game from a shooting perspective. When we talked to Jarek on Friday, one of the things we noted was that we needed other scorers to hit their shots. 
because we figured Caitlin was going to get hers, but we needed some other scores to get theirs, and boy, did they. McKenna finished 6 of 9 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3 for 20 points. Gabby Marshall, 4 of 6 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3 for 12 points. Every time she shot the ball, it was buckets. We should honestly just start calling her Gabby Buckets. She's going to be a crucial player down the stretch next year, being able to knock down those threes, which is huge, especially because it takes some of that pressure off of Caitlin when they can consistently hit those. Now, if you're a team, you're typically going to want to force Caitlin to you know, pass the ball off and let others hit their shots, and you're going to live with that. But some teams aren't going to be able to live with that, and that, I think, is huge going into next year. Again, getting out-rebounded was a big-time thing. The officiating was not uh, necessarily the worst I've ever seen, but it was definitely questionable at best, and honestly, on both sides. I felt like they were allowing a ton of contact. It felt like Caitlin was getting knocked around quite a bit. We got two elbows to the face. I don't know how those don't get called. I don't know what was going on with the officials, but they were really kind of letting the game play, except for a few times where I thought you know, Iowa maybe shouldn't have got some charge calls against them. Um, and again, UConn is just really good. They are a fantastic team. In women's basketball, there's not a lot of parity from the top to even the middle part of the top 25. So again, for Iowa to come into this game, and I thought they played pretty well. Uh, at the end of the first quarter, 22 to 18, they actually you know went on a run in the third quarter, 26 to 23 on that that third quarter, and they tried. You know they were trying to get in this game, and every time they had an opportunity to, UConn battled back and hit a key three, and that was the, basically the story of the game. Iowa would try to make a run, UConn would knock it down. UConn's a very, very, very good basketball team, and there's nothing to hang your hat on, especially the fact this women's basketball team wasn't expected to be here. So again, overall, uh, phenomenal performance by our women's basketball team. I'm really excited for next year. So coming up on segment number two, we're actually going to talk about next year. What does this look like for the women's basketball team going forward? That's all being covered on segment number two. Before we get into that, though, I got to tell you about betonline.ag, the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline.ag even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. Real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline.ag has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up today. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. That's right. You can go to the website, betonline.ag, sign up with a free account, and use the promo code Locked On. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast at. Now let's get back into talking about this women's basketball team. And I mentioned I was going to cover a few things on Caitlin Clark when I was talking through segment number one. When I mentioned the fact that she had 20 points and five assists, that's very big. And here's why. It was only the ninth time since 2015 that a player has had 20 points and five assists for first the UConn Huskies. Again, a very sound team on both ends of the floor. And what's more impressive is how they were switching on, switching people on to Caitlin Clark. They had big, tall defenders on her, uh, six foot three, six foot four defenders that were, you know, using their length to really shield her. Uh, Christian Williams, I thought, did a phenomenal job also guarding Caitlin Clark, and yet she was still able to finish with twenty points, coming alive a bit in that second half. That was that stat. I want to give the the credit where credit's due. Reported by Chantel Jennings of the Athletic. So um, awesome stuff there. 
Also, with that game being over, Caitlin Clark finished with the fourth highest point per game total in a single season at Iowa and set the Iowa freshman record for scoring in a you know season at 26.8 points per game and finished as the NCAA D1 scoring leader. Again, the sky is the limit for this young lady and national media is really starting to respect it. And this is huge for the team as well. Uh, Megan Gustafson helped put Iowa on the map. Now, Lisa Bluter has been a phenomenal coach way before Megan Gustafson, but having a National Player of the Year candidate like Megan Gustafson helped put Iowa basketball on the map, helped them get to that Elite Eight. Caitlin Clark is carrying on the tradition and even continuing to build on it. There was a transition period with Kathleen Doyle, who also did a phenomenal job, and now it's on to Caitlin Clark. And what I would love to see for this team is, A, I think they can make a run next year. And I'm not I'm not kidding at all. I think they could make an Elite Eight, a Final Four. This is a team that can compete for national championships at some point. Because not only do they have a phenomenal player like Caitlin Clark, she's surrounded by some pretty strong talent in their starting lineup. And they're bringing in some big-time talent as well. And that speaks to my next point. With Iowa getting on the map now, with what you know Jan and Lisa have been able to do from a development perspective of bigs, people are going to want to come to Iowa. They are going to seek out Iowa. It's not just going to UConn now. The dream is not just going to UConn. There are going to be many girls growing up who want to be Iowa Hawkeyes, who want to follow in the steps of Megan Gustafson and Caitlin Clarks. So this is something that, this is a dynasty building type of situation. And that to me is just so exciting. One of the things I would like to see is Iowa versus UConn a home and home. That would just be phenomenal. Carver would be absolutely bumping. I know I live out here in Colorado, but I could not miss that. I'd have to fly back to go watch a women's basketball team between Iowa and UConn. Um, I think that would be, just be so much fun watching Paige versus Caitlin. And I was very impressed by Paige. I think I still stand by the fact that Caitlin deserves more accolades than Paige. And I can't remember who posted this on Twitter, so I apologize if I'm stealing your thunder. But I've talked about it a lot, so it's not necessarily stealing your thunder, just more agreeing with it. But... What Caitlin does at Iowa, Paige couldn't do. Caitlin could fit in the you know the UConn system and crush it. Paige couldn't be the player that Caitlin is at Iowa. Caitlin is asked to do so much more at Iowa due to the surroundings than Paige is at UConn. Now, Paige is a phenomenal player. We saw her hit a couple big-time threes against Iowa. But again, Caitlin, to me, is the MVP, is the better player, should be the person getting more accolades. But that's neither here nor there. That will come in time. Now, Again, I talked about some high expectations, Final Four type expectations. And the reason why I say that, Jeff Linder on Twitter as well, um, fantastic reporter, definitely check him out. He made a note that these two teams, UConn and Iowa, are returning the most scoring next year from any team that won a first-round game in the NCAA tournament. UConn is returning 100% of their scoring. Iowa returning 98.1% of their scoring. And now we do have the, the free year and whatnot, but regardless, that is that is big time. Iowa returns their entire starting lineup, and that's big time because it's not just for next year. It's for the upcoming years as well. Monica Sanano, the only junior in that lineup, Iowa returns their entire starting lineup, and they're getting some reinforcements down low. We talked about how Iowa got dom- dominated on the boards against UConn by you know double digits. They are bringing in two top top 100 recruits, and Allison Edger, the 39th overall recruit in the class of 2022, or 2021, excuse me, and Addison O'Grady, the 92nd overall player, according to ESPN as well. Allison Edger is six foot three, uh, you know, forward out of Hudsonville, Michigan. Um, here's the notes on her. Tough to get game film, but here's the notes on her. Skilled face-up five performer who can knock down jumpers with range um, to the arc, rebounds, and finishes plays in the paint. 
what we've seen a lot from Iowa's bigs is that they are great back to the basket players. Megan Gustafson didn't really have that range. You know, Monica Sinano, maybe she does, maybe she doesn't, but we don't see that range. Having that range allows you to stretch the defense a little bit more. And again, having that size give you some rebounding abilities as well down in the paint. Addison O'Grady, more of a traditional big that we see Iowa kind of get. Six foot three out of Centennial, Colorado. I'm gonna go to try to I'm gonna try to watch some of her games this year since I live out here in Colorado. But the notes on her blue collar front court performer, workhorse on the glass, scores through contact and mobile and up tempo. So fits a lot what we see from Iowa's bigs today. But Alice Nedger, Addison O'Grady together, um, that could be a, a phenomenal front court duo that we could see for quite a few years. And again, you add that to what we already have. And that is really starting to show you the strength of this team and how good this team could be for quite some time. So what does this team need to do, though, going into next season? There's a couple things. I think, A, defensively, they have to get better. It is unacceptable to be in the 300s or even ranked last in defensive, you know, in defensive metrics. They need to do a better job of defending. Now, I don't expect them to be a UConn. I don't expect them to be a top 10 defense because similar to the men's basketball team, when you're trying to get out in transition, you're trying to get up-tempo quite a bit, there are going to be easy baskets. There's going to be a lot of scoring. It's going to be tough to be able to defend at a high level that entire game. But they need to do better. If they can defend better, they can hold on when they are struggling offensively, and I think that will win them quite a few more games than even it did this year. I think you need to continue to incorporate others in the lineup. Gabby and McKenna showed what they can do. Kate Martin is a phenomenal player as well. Um, how can you incorporate them in the lineup um, and incorporate them in the scoring? We saw throughout the Big Ten tournament and even against UConn, they were the two. Gabby and McKenna were kind of holding the team together from a scoring perspective. When Caitlin is unable to you know, do Wonder Woman type of things, with the ball in our hands, we need others to be able to step up. And that goes to the last point of we need to have a stronger bench unit. We cannot continue to rely on the women to play 36, 37 minutes. And when Caitlin Clark is not on the floor, the offense just doesn't seem to, to have things going. So what does that look like? What is the game plan when Caitlin Clark is not on the floor? And can we stop allowing teams to go on runs when Clark is not there? So that is a huge thing. Defensively, how can Iowa improve? How can they strengthen that bench unit and incorporate a better offensive game plan when Clark is not on the floor to be the distributor and the scorer? And how can we continue to incorporate some of those starters who really uh, grew into themselves at the end of the season? And if we can do that, this team should be top 10 throughout the season. It should be a number two or a three seed. That's how good this team can be next year imagine how good this team can be in a couple years um, that's the kind of talent we have in Iowa City right now which is just so so fun to see that'll do it though for segment number two coming up on segment number three we're going to be talking about Iowa football and everyone's favorite topic will Spencer Petras be replaced we're gonna be talking about that and what the quarterback room offers for the Hawks and how we're going to be doing some of these you know kind of breakdowns positional breakdowns uh, might you say for the next couple of weeks we'll be talking all about that on segment number three I do have to tell you about Built Bar because we've been talking about Built Bar for probably the last year I mean I'm a huge fan of Built Bars now they've got me addicted to them I'm sending some to Bakari Evelyn I'm sending some to to Matt as well so they can like them as well but Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now it is amazing low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars but now it's time to find out which built bar is the best it is built bar madness and we are so close to finding out what is the best flavor according to built bar right now there are only five flavors left in the running cookies and cream mint brownie cookie dough chunk caramel brownie and coconut brownie chunk 
I've been telling you all for a while, I actually love birthday cake, I love cookies and cream, and I love mint brownie, so I don't think I can go wrong here, but the matchup today is caramel brownie versus coconut brownie chunk. I've tried caramel brownie, I would highly recommend you go that if you haven't tried them yet, but this is a good opportunity. Go buy yourself some Built Bars and figure out which flavor do you like the most, or use this as a good indicator of which flavors you should try, and remember, when you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com, and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever. The NFL Draft is weeks away. It's time to start following our Lockdown NFL Draft duo. The Draft Dudes podcast watches every prospect so that you don't have to. And the Lockdown NFL Draft podcast is your daily draft news and mock draft podcast. Follow Lockdown NFL Draft and Draft Dudes on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast at. Now let's hop into our conversation talking about the quarterback position for the Iowa football team. And where do you start with the Iowa football team in the quarterback position, other than Spencer Petrus, Spencer had a very up and down season, mostly down this past year. And I actually broke it down after the season, kind of um, highlighting his statistics versus the other statistics um, from other Iowa football quarterbacks. I'll try to actually find, try to find out what I'm actually talking here, but um, basically what it alluded to was not good. It was one of the worst first seasons from a, Iowa starting quarterback in the Kirk Ferentz era. And that's not ideal. Basically everyone that everyone that would you remember as maybe a bad quarterback compared to the good ones in Iowa football history under Kirk Ferentz, Spencer Petrus is more aligned with that. I call it the Mendoza line. You have the, you know, y'all should know what the Mendoza line is. If not, look it up. But if you look at the good versus the bad, Spencer Petrus more so teetering on the bad. And that's concerning going into this next year because as the quarterback position goes, so does this football team go. And I truly believe if Spencer could have been anywhere near as consistently average, I should say, in the first two games of the season as he was for the last two games of the season, I think Iowa goes 8-0. I think we're talking about an, a different Iowa team. They couldn't get it done against Purdue or Northwestern. And Spencer was a big part of that. I, You can say those things and it's, it's not – not hating, hating on Spencer. I hope he has a fantastic season, but um, let's be honest about it. The quarterback position was the downfall of this team. They needed some fantastic defensive plays. They needed some phenomenal play at the running back position by the dynamic duo of, of Mackay and of Tyler. The wide receivers could not do enough to keep up with how bad the quarterback play was you know, being played. So this is a big topic going into the season as we look into spring practices and whatnot. Um, another uh, actual getting an offseason under his belt as the starter. And, and Kirk and Brian alluded to this a lot, and so did Matt when I had him on the show. But not having that spring practice is huge for the development of a quarterback as a first-year starter. But you would expect to have seen a bit better play. And we saw better play from other people who didn't get spring. So while I appreciate that as a reason, I don't think it completely lets Spencer off the hook. Now, coming into this offseason, I think it's fair to say that there is a quarterback competition. There's a competition at every single position. Now, in Nate Stanley's final year, yes, there was technically a competition, but Nate Stanley would have had to basically play football with, without his right arm or his left arm to lose that, that battle. He was basically stuck. I mean, he was, without having the worst camp of any quarterback they've ever seen, he was going to be getting the start. That is not the same case for Spencer coming into this season. So who are the guys battling for that job? It's Alex Padilla and Deuce Hogan. Now the people want to hype up Deuce Hogan, and I understand why. Deuce is exactly what we have typically come to expect from Iowa quarterbacks. 
He's a big guy. He's got an incredible pedigree. He's highly touted. Um, coming out of, of Texas, he, according to, and I'm going to actually pull this up real quick just so we actually can get the, the true stats. According to 24-7 Sports, the 24th ranked pro-style quarterback, 450th ranked composite-wise player in the nation. And that's a big deal. Uh, Deuce Hogan, a, a big, a big time guy, a very stout guy, six foot four, two hundred thirteen pounds, compared to Alex Padilla, who is six foot one, one hundred ninety eight pounds. And why I say that is what we've seen from Iowa over the last couple of years is they like those big guys. They like tall guys who can stand in the pocket. They like big armed guys. We haven't seen Alex Padilla's arm as much. We've seen him scramble a little bit, but. Why that is concerning to me for, from an Alex Padilla perspective. I don't think Alex Padilla is going to be a bad quarterback at, in the Iowa football program. In fact, I think he could be pretty successful and add a dynamic that we haven't seen from Iowa in quite some time. But Iowa has only had one quarterback start that's under six foot three since Drew Tate, and that was CJ Beathard. CJ's six foot two, and he's a he's a thick kid, thick boy, thick man, whatever you want to call him. Peyton Manziel was the backup going into, you know, uh, under Nate Stanley for a while before Spencer Petras took over and Peyton Manziel ultimately transferred. There's a lot of parallels in the things that Iowa football does and who takes that next step. And it can allow you to see who is going to be the guy that's going to be taking that next step. And to me, when I look at this situation, Alex Padilla's situation reminds me a bit of Peyton Manziel's situation. Peyton did not do anything wrong, in my opinion. I thought when he got in the game, you loved his scrambling ability. Maybe not the strongest arm, but he could be a solid, productive quarterback for Iowa. Alex Padilla, same thing. We didn't see much of his arm, but they did want to get him some live snaps in case he needed to go in there. And I thought he played okay. He made some plays with his legs, which is exactly what Peyton did. But behind him, we have Deuce Hogan. And Deuce Hogan was not getting in the game last year. People wanted that to happen. Deuce Hogan was not ready. He did not, not that this matters as much, but he was not an early enrollee. He wasn't able to get much football under his belt. And that's a big deal. Um, Especially Iowa's offense, which can be very complex to learn. So this year, though, Deuce has one year under his belt. That provides him a bit more of wiggle room in terms of the ability to win that job, win that backup job. And you better believe there's going to be a competition, not just for the starting role, but for that backup role. And that's going to be a big tell as to what this football position looks like in the years to come. Spencer Petras coming in now um, has, you know, really two years left. And what can he do in those two years? If he does do well, he'll stick around possibly for those two years. Alex Padilla then um, would be, you know, have a one or two years left. Deuce Hogan though has, would have two and maybe three years left by the end of that to be able to play football for the Iowa football team. So that's going to be really interesting to me to watch that battle. I do think Spencer Petrus wins the battle. Uh, I think what, you know, what we heard from him in practice, or what we heard from coaches about him in practice, everything was going well. He was doing fine in practice. It was about putting it all together in a game time situation, getting another year under his belt with that offense. I think to me, and also how I'm going to be breaking down these positional groups, I want to talk about who the starter is, the sleepers to watch out for, the breakout players, and I want to grade the position. So when I look at this, just giving you that background, who the starter is, it's going to be Spencer. I have no doubt about that. I'd be, it would take a Herculean effort for Alex or for Deuce to overcome Spencer's play in spring practice and in the fall camp or spring camp, fall camp, whatever you want to call it. So I think Spencer is the starter, day one. I think that's what's going to happen. The sleeper to watch out for, to me, is Deuce, though. I think Alex has shown what we can, you know, what he can do, and I think it's, it's definitely uh, worthwhile. But Deuce, to me, is the sleeper that could cement himself as the future Iowa quarterback with this offseason. 
Every offseason we get away, it's going to be harder and harder for him to do that potentially um, with Alex getting more and more time in the program. But this is the opportunity for Deuce to seize to get that second opportunity, the second string role, which could possibly set him up for starting minutes if Spencer doesn't perform well early on in the season. I do think the leash is going to be a lot shorter this year for Spencer Petrus. The breakout player, in my opinion, is going to be Spencer, though. And why I say that, another year in the offense, if he's not the breakout player, I don't know who else could be. Uh, theoretically, it'd be whoever came in and start, but... The big thing here is I think Spencer will be the breakout player because he's going to have another year in the offense. They're going to rely a lot on the running game with Tyler Goodson. We do have some phenomenal wide receivers there as well, and he's going to have a bigger, a better connection with our tight end group coming in to this second season with Spencer Petras as the quarterback. As far as the grade goes, this one's tough. I would give this grade probably a C-, minus, and the potential is there. It has, an it has a chance to be an A at the end of the season, but I don't think you can go into this offseason and say the quarterback position is anything better than a C, in my personal opinion. Yes, there is talent there, but we have not seen anything that gives me any sort of inclination that it is going to be good. Um, going into last season, I would have probably said the same thing. It was just an unproven quarterback room. There's a lot of hope, a lot of potential, but potential only gets you far, and I'm grading this off of what we've seen so far. And to me, this Iowa quarterback room gets a C-. minus. That does do it, though, for our first positional group wrap-up. We're gonna. It's going to be a little bit different as we go into more of the, of the other positional groups because this one, you know, everyone's very highly focused on the quarterback position, but really looking forward to talking about the other positions. We'll get into running backs and some of the defensive positions tomorrow as well, so stay tuned for that. Thank you all, though, for tuning in to today's episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Have a fantastic Monday, and let's go Hawks.